Hi, my name is Barry Manandi and you're listening to the ZFM Sport Podcast. Z. And it's Messi! It is the cleanest of clean finishes from the best on the planet. It's time for the biggest sports stories. Chelsea, the UEFA Champions League winners of 2021. The biggest interviews. That uh, such a great spectacle is ruined by such such thuggish behaviour. And all the analysis right here. He's the one player that has the arrogance to think that he can play in any stadium in the world and any pitch in the world in front of any player in the world and take them on. Every weekday, it's my sport, it's your sport. It's ZFM Sport. Let's join the team for the biggest show in the world of sport on ZFM Stereo. My station, your station. Yeah, the team has assembled information and are ready to go. They are Mike, Alois, Chris, our producer Sean, and my name is Barry. On the home front today, it's our review show, meaning that we got lots to get through. Zimbabwe women's rugby team bounced back from their hammering at the hands of South Africa with a comprehensive 72 to nil win over Namibia at Newlands in Cape Town yesterday. In international sports news, Crusaders center David Havili hailed his team's Super Rugby Pacific title as a, quote, very special special after the dominant Canterbury side str- uh, strangled the Blues 21-7 with a ruthless display of power rugby to win an 11th Super Rugby title. Elsewhere, Matthew Fitzpatrick described the feeling of securing his maiden major victory at the US Open as, quote, out of this world. In Around the World in 60, we have updates from England, France and Canada. In the Castle World Football Report, Chelsea are confident they can sign Manchester City forward Raheem Sterling as long as a free a fee can be agreed with the Premier League champion for the player. Over in Spain, Antonio Rudiger has said it was Real Madrid or nothing when he decided to leave Chelsea for a new challenge despite interest from La Liga rivals Barcelona. And according to reports from Borussia Dortmund, have made a £28 million bid for former West Ham striker Sebastian Holler. The Warriors, the Chevrons, the Cheetahs, the Mighty Warriors and the Sables. From the pool to the track to the field, we are Team Zimbabwe. The Home Front. Local sports news and analysis. Yeah, the WhatsApp platform once again is 0731168045. That's 0731168045. Let us know your thoughts of what happened over the weekend. Chief among them, that the Zimbabwe women's rugby team bounced back from their hammering at the hands of South Africa with a comprehensive 72 nil win over Namibia at Newlands in Cape Town yesterday. It was the Lady Sable's first win in the 2022 Rugby Africa Women's Cup. Zimbabwe had been written off ahead of their match against Namibia after succumbing to a Spiriting 108 to nil against a star-studded South Africa side. Against the odds, the Zimbabwe side produced a spectacular display full of flair and speed to underline the strides women's rugby has been making over the last couple of years. The victory was a welcome relief for Lady Sables head coach Lissi Wasarirevu, uh, who is eager to turn around the team's fortunes after taking the coaching reins recently. I was greatly honoured by that win against um, Namibia. And it was a great bounce back from our team. Yes, we we expected to win. Um, the girls did well. They played their part and they came to the party um, in full force. And I saying 
we we want to work more from from now going onwards because uh, this is where we start building and we want to keep on the the team uh, so that we we don't lose momentum because usually we lose momentum when these girls break and we come back want to start again so we want to keep the team maybe add um a few more players from from the juniors uh the under 20s and carry on with with them see well, Chris, the, the old adage says uh, Shirinos on Gofa and those are, that, that want to argue to say that ah, we, we, we beat a, uh, an inferior Namibia side will probably mm. argue for that. But in truth, when we look at it in the cold light of day, you can only beat what's put in front of you. And there are lots of positives to take, not least of all the fact that we blanked Namibia. Yeah, and when you take a look at that scoreline 72 zip, I think it shows just that, yes, they were, you know, they, they were the minnows. But I think when you take a look at our performances, taking a look at the type of rugby that was being played as well, lots of good running rugby from the girls. And I think when you take a look at that, it's encouraging, especially considering that they had totally been smashed to smithereens in the previous game. It takes a lot to come back from a loss like that and they managed to do so and to do so well. I think what's also important is the type of rugby that they were playing and that they managed to get this win. Another blank for them as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think it was a balanced uh, performance, uh, Barry. Uh, I know we talk about the tries that were scored, I think 12 in total, uh, 6 in each half and of course the star of the show, Chuoniso Mabika. Uh, but uh, there was a healthy balance because we, we, we talk about the speed of play Play. We talk about uh, the backline play mm. and the tries that if anyone was fortunate to watch this performance on TV would have witnessed some really spectacular tries and some yeah. excellent yeah, yeah. ball handling s- skills. Yeah. But Barry added to that was the fact that our forwards were able to dominate Namibia, uh, both at the set piece and at the breakdown. Mm. And they laid the power, the, the foundation for that quick ball, which was then uh, so ruthlessly utilized by the backline. Yeah, and it seems like we went into this game with a plan. So I think uh, we we can't discount the contribution of Lissi Waseri, who, uh, uh, Chris, because uh, in truth, it looked like we we had a plan to say uh, we'll dominate the the uh, at set pieces, mm-hmm. and once we have the ball, we want to use it effectively. Because if you look at the possession stakes, I think Namibia actually shaded it in terms of having more of the ball, yeah. but we just used it more efficiently. Yeah, and when you take a look at that, that's in in no small part due to the coach. I think whether she went back to the drawing board, whatever the case was after that first game, I think she managed to come up with a winning game plan especially um, coming up against a team like Namibia who also likely were coached incredibly well so it's good that she was able to bounce back and come up with a good um, winning uh, formula. Uh, Valentine from Bulawayo has got in touch, uh, says uh, Namibia is a team of the same league with Zimbabwe. There's no improvement whatsoever. Play South Africa one more time. Well, you can't claim that Namibia is the same <laughs> level as Zimbabwe <laughs> when Zimbabwe just smashed Namibia. Completely. <laughs> <laughs> uh, whilst I do understand what he's talking about, but Barry, you said it perfectly at yeah. the start. You can only beat what's put in front of you. For sure. And this is not like a 26 to 7 victory. No, no, yeah. no. This is a 72 0 win, which yeah. underlined that we are clearly far better than Namibia. Uh, absolutely, Mikey. And uh, I can I can count uh, maybe twice that I saw that Namibia managed to get into our 22, even uh, approach our trial line. And uh, the, the Zimbabwe defense was tested and stood its ground uh, to, to maintain that blank uh, on the other side of the scoreline. So I think that. 
uh, like you quite rightly pointed out, it was a balanced performance uh, between the defense and also our offense. And, and how good was Chonis Omabika? Oh, oh that's incredible. Absolutely brilliant. She, I mean, incredible. she broke tackles to a point whereby uh, even the commentators were wowed by the way in which she was breaking tackles. With, with, with a deceptive turn of pace as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, I, I want to ask this question, Chris, Quite perhaps. Uh, <laughs> you know what? That it, it looked like if we really get our, 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 our lady sables, if we're able to get them into a good strength and conditioning yes. uh, program, mm-hmm. we might not actually get a better performance from these ladies because um, I say this with all due respect, but uh, they didn't seem to be in shape. Yeah, and, and I think Lissy kind of, um, their coach, she, she intimates it when she says, the girls take breaks and then we have to regroup. Yeah. Those yes. big breaks yes. are exactly what impacts the level of fitness that our, our ladies are at. And what needs to happen is that there needs to be a consistent training program for them and the player that we're talking about a product of the fact that she's able to participate at an at a different international level so when she turns out for the lady sables she's conditioned differently and it's very evident in her performance mike the other day we discussed the walloping by south africa yeah and i brought that point yes that our girls were not conditioned if right. they were conditioned they were not going to be walloped so much mm. but mike said it back to no, 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 I, I disagree uh, at the top level of rugby you'll be whacked no matter how conditioned you are <laughs> but, but that's, uh, that's no, exactly it's, what it's we were different. talking about i'm talking but about we were talking about, we were talking would, about the same tournament no i'm saying we would have been able to beat namibia by a higher margin mm. uh, but not, not, not not lost it doesn't necessarily equate i gave you the example if the sables play the old blacks today tomorrow 100 <laughs> no matter how fit you no are. matter how fit we you are we are talking about the same tournament yes, where the girls are exactly. now we are admitting that they were if they were fitter they could have beaten namibia, namibia. Big, by a bigger margin but it doesn't so mean that thing, it doesn't if they were no it doesn't fitter, they wouldn't have lost by that bigger margin it it actually does it because doesn't. that's the point that broke no, because that no. you know what if you are fitter and more uh Put uh, what, what can I say? Mm. In more conditioned, yeah. you don't lose some of the tackles. <laughs> you don't lose yeah. some of the speed. You some of the things you avoid. Well, let's let's hear what the fans have to say. Zero seven three one one six eight zero four five. That's a discussion point there where we are agreeing to disagree because the uh, South Africa is at the very very summit of uh, women's rugby. They're competing uh, for at that for level. Titans. It's no longer about fitness, it's about execution, and and, and uh, are executing at a very high level. But Lady Sables <laughs> won by 72 points to nil. That is the outtake of the game against Namibia. Namibia now plays South Africa. Let's see. Maybe the the the, the balance out will be. I, I, I doubt South Africa will pick their 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 starting eleven. Uh, Fifteen cents against I, Namibia. I, I doubt that they'll pick their, their their starting 15. They'll run out some of their French players and try to test out some of their combinations. But. Uh, Lissy Wasarirevu and her team getting a good victory over Namibia and certainly that's something to be proud of. Uh, cricket, swimming and athletics is in our local sports news roundup. That's next. Hi, my name is Sean Williams, Zimbabwe cricket captain. You're listening to ZFM Sport. Z. Let's give you the rest of your local sports news, starting off with some cricket, where the Lions picked up the inaugural National Premier League T20 Blast as they edged Westside Cricket Club by three runs in a thriller held at Harare Sports Club. Clive Madande led the Lions batting with 46 of 34 balls as they amassed 170 for the loss of seven wickets from their 20 overs, having won the toss. Lions, coached by former Zimbabwean captain Alton Chigumbura as part of his academy effort, ended the competition unbeaten. 
In swimming news, Donata Katai missed out on the women's 100 meters backstroke semi-final yesterday after coming 10th in heat three in a time of 1 minute 4.80 seconds at the ongoing 19th FINA World Championships in Hungary. Katai finished 10th in a in heat three of the five heats lined up for the women's 100 meter backstroke. She was placed number 33 overall out of 43 swimmers from the five heats. Finish off with some athletics news of a positive nature. Top Zimbabwean marathoner Isaac Mpofu has managed to win an appeal to have the time he clocked during the Durban International Marathon race in May reinstated. Mpofu, who ran a sensational personal best of 2 hours, 10 minutes and 24 seconds to win the race, was later disqualified because he didn't have a second license race number on the back fist, which saw runner-up and home favourite Tumero Tumelo Motlachale being crowned the victor. The National Athletics Association of Zimbabwe lodged and won an athletics appeal, a world athletics appeal for Mpofu's time to stand, which will now allow him to represent the country at next month's world championships in the USA. Uh, we do need to be clear, though, that he's not going to get that 50,000 rand prize money. So he's able to represent us as time counts, but no 50,000 rand. Alcohol may be hazardous to health if consumed to excess. The operation of machinery or driving after the consumption of alcohol is not advisable. Not for sale to persons under the age of 18 years. Castle Lager is more than just beer. It's pure liquid gold. Crafted from the finest local ingredients. To deliver a taste that is somewhat dry, somewhat bitter, but never sweet. It's the taste that stood the test of time. It all comes together with a castle. From the front of the grid to the back of the net, it's CFM Sport. International Sports News Roundup, where the world comes out to play. And again, the Blues, the kick, are in trouble. Knock has to say. Oh, seven race. Something out of absolutely nothing for the man who does it best. It's gone. It's well and truly gone. The Crusaders have won another final. Super Rugby Pacific title goes to the Crusaders. An emphatic 21-7 win over the Blues at Eden Park. Z. Indeed, the Super Rugby Pacific final this past weekend. Now, Crusader Centre David Havili hailed his team's Super Rugby Pacific title as, quote, very special after the dominant Canterbury side strangled the Blues 21-7 with a ruthless display of power rugby to win an 11th Super Rugby title in an all-New Zealand final at a rain-soaked Eden Park on Saturday. Uh, scrum half Brian Hall and winger Sevu Reese scored tries either side of halftime while Richie Monga uh, ran the game with a brilliant display at fly half and contributed 11 points from the boot. Let's hear from David Havili. No words to describe this, Mills. It's uh, something very, very special. This one's going to go down as the greats. And, uh, you know, we dug deep. We've had our injuries throughout the year. Our losses to come here tonight and get the result we're after was a huge effort from the boys. Yeah, look, you know, if you can take a bit of pressure off Rich, he just plays his game. And you've seen that in the big moments, mate. And... Oh, mate, I can't believe it. You know, it's something James are made of, boys. Z.
Shucks, they've won so many titles, but it still means so much, and you can hear it in David Arvili's voice. But how good was Richie Mahonga on that? Yeah, absolutely brilliant. And I think we had uh, mostly picked uh, Borden Barrett uh, yes. to be the one to have the star quality and uh, put in a big performance in the final. Uh, but Richie Mahonga did what he does best, which is control games. Yep. Uh, you know, he's got a bit of everything. Uh, his kicking game is good. His playing ab- ab- um, playmaking abilities are good. Occasionally breaks the line, and he w- he was needed to do that. Mm. Uh, they were called on to be at their most efficient uh, and the Crusaders answered the call. Uh, and I'm a bit disappointed because uh, I thought seven points in it. Uh, it turned out to be 14, uh, but still happy uh, all the same, the Crusaders. <laughs> yeah, uh, Because they're made for games like this. Yeah, you know, once, once it becomes yeah. a war of attrition, once it becomes about efficiency and execution, uh, there's no better side than the Crusaders. And, and uh, in, in talking about no better side than the Crusaders, Chris, you, you, you look at the first point that they put on the board on on an advantage Richie Mahonga decides to uh, uh, to attempt a drop goal which goes over and that's that's just the sign that we they, they were a statement of intent to say if we come to you at 22 we're leaving with something mm. uh, and, and that's what you need in a final so they just know how yeah and, and I think that's what was absolutely critical here is the ruthless efficiency with which they were working um, they absolutely know how to come into a final and just manage to get the win like no one predicted the the convincing nature of the win and i don't think anyone expected it but i think it's just symptomatic no, emblematic of <laughs> who the team is and i think for me uh, two key things that stood out i think the the tactical approach of the canterbury crusaders and their coach uh robertson i think he was on point he attacked the blues uh set piece uh, the line out which was actually one of the strengths yeah. uh, going into this and uh, the auckland side uh, the pack lost 10 of 19 line outs uh, and two of 11 and scrums uh, and then the other thing that the Saders managed to do effectively was to hold on to the ball uh, for long periods and of course uh, the Blues we know that they're very dangerous with ball in hand when they get their back line involved the likes of Borden and Barrett the likes of Rico Ioane they were starved of the ball by the mm. Canterbury Crusaders yeah and Scott Robinson himself uh, is absolutely getting it right his sixth straight title for the Crusaders uh, and uh, they won the, the last three editions of the transcontinental super rugby and the domestic Aotearoa competition in the last two years so they're going back to their place of dominance uh, no doubt very easy for Mike Maduro to wear his Canterbury Crusaders jersey <laughs> around uh, and of course it's been really easy for at least 20 years but don't forget Golden State Warriors as well so yeah it's a very very good time for Mike Maduro let's talk some golf Hi, I'm JC Creel Springbok and Blue Bulls backline player you are listening to ZFM Sports Fitzpatrick and Matthew Fitzpatrick is a champion again at the Country Club in Brookline. Z. As you heard there, Matthew Fitzpatrick described the feeling of securing his maiden major victory at the US Open as out of this world as he edged out Will Zalatoris and world number one Scotty Scheffler by one shot in a thrilling final round at Brookline. Fitzpatrick also won the 2013 US Amateur at the Country Club and such fond memories as well as a familiarity with the course helped cement a belief that this could be the time. Unbelievable. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's just uh, the feelings out of this world. It's um it's so cliche but it's stuff you dream of as a kid and uh, 
yeah, to achieve it, uh, I can retire a happy man tomorrow. So. <laughs> I think there were expectations, but I, I didn't feel like I didn't feel them. Uh, in my opinion, um, you know, the, the field's such a such a strong field. So many great golfers playing. Um, but I think for me, obviously, the expectations were me, for me to play well. But I feel like having won the U.S. Amateur here as well, I just felt so comfortable around this place. Uh, nowhere to hit it, nowhere to miss it, um, and. Um, yeah, I'm just happy to be uh, unbeaten around this place. Z. Yeah, look, um, it's easy to say after the fact, but in truth, when you're on the course, it's, it's a very, very tough course. And the scores uh, uh, tell us exactly that because we said that you had to play straight, you had to stay on the, on the fairway, and it would punish you if you were off. Six under par for the win. The two who were behind him, one shot behind, five under par. That scoring just tells you that it was a tough course to play on. I didn't watch it. <laughs> Why, Michael? Uh, <laughs> I, I, I took a look at the leaderboard. Uh, and and uh, there was nothing exciting. <laughs> and I think that's, that's the effect of, of LIV, of LIV. Yeah, yeah. I took a look at that leaderboard, to be honest, and I thought to myself, you know what, where would I rather be? Mm. Would I rather be in bed, warm? <laughs> Uh, watching a movie with the kids or <laughs> do I want to be freezing in the lounge watching a bit of golf so I, I, I chose bed uh, uh, and I watched a flick uh, uh, <laughs> alright wow. Chris, Chris you, you had the fire going at home so you were a bit warmer but you got to say to yourself that I think the country club delivered everything that we expected yeah I think when you take a look at even just the final day um Two under 68, enough to finish on six under. First great win um, for Fitzpatrick. I think the final day is what kind of brought it all together. Not as exciting, like Mike said, as when you take a look at Liv and what's happening across there. And especially because the names that you expect to see that will draw your attention, yeah. not necessarily there. And I don't think anyone would have picked Matt Fitzpatrick mm, yeah, for, to win the US. Nobody. We all expected to see at least Scotty Sonic Kepler. the Hedgehog 2 was a more exciting prospect <laughs> uh, <laughs> than the golf last night. <laughs> but what, 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 what I'll tell you though, yeah. Barry, is that, uh, listen, uh, it was a very tough competition. Mm. Uh, and I think uh, that really worked into the hands of those guys who are not known for their long strokes, uh, they are not known for their mercurial game, but they are very good course managers. Mm. Uh, guys who are percentage able to play. Golfers. Yeah, the percentage golfers mm. will always do. That's why I think uh, there was about uh, a time just pre-COVID yeah. where we had the Italian fella, uh, Francesco Molinari, Molinari yeah. really go at it at a few majors yeah. because he plays that percentage golf perfectly. Yeah. Okay, He's not going to be, he's going to be like 50, 30, 40 yards behind you on the yeah. drive, but he's going to make sure that he's got a very good second shot. Mm. He's going to chip on very well doesn't necessarily always go for the eagle mm -hmm. will take the birdie when he can get it on the par fives yeah, etc par, par, par. and he just goes par par cash par birdie cash in when he can mm -hmm. and those golfers invariably tend to do well in these sort of tournaments because those low scores Barry meant that you had to manage the course very well yeah Scotty Scheffler of course that's uh, back we up. mentioned him uh, yes we did but well, we didn't think he'd win world number one <laughs> at the moment world number one so we figured that you know wow. he'd be there or thereabouts and he was apart from that back nine which sort of let him down uh, but nonetheless a winner of the US Open this year Matt Fitzpatrick of England who would have funk it let's go around the world in 60 next Hi my name's Ryan Kins Sunshine Tour professional golfer and you're listening to ZFM Sport Around the world in 60 seconds international sports news
We kick off in England where Eddie Jones admitted he was not happy with England's performance in a record defeat to 14-man Barbarian side, but stressed context should be applied. Jones said his side approached the game in a particularly strategic way as they wanted to play a bit differently, extend themselves and give the young guys an opportunity to show their ability. A French-inspired Barbarian side shrugged off the loss of Will Skelton to a first-half red card to batter England 52-21 to at Twickenham and the heaviest defeat of Jones' time in charge to date. Mike, is this concerning for England or was he really experimenting like you said? Yeah, it's the barbarians. Uh, so uh, no one's ever going to take that seriously. Uh, just a bona fide, a friendly match. And uh, I think if there's a game that the media and the critics can give him a pass on, it's the game against the barbarians, which really is just geared towards entertaining the fans uh, rather than for people to be uh, checking and ticking boxes as far as performance is concerned. Let's head over to France where Shelly Anne Frazier-Price sent out a warning shot to her sprint rivals ahead of next month's World Championships as she blasted to an emphatic win in the women's 100 metres at the meeting de Paris on a Saturday in 10.67 seconds. The time equaled the best time of the year and beat Elaine Thompson-Hera, meeting record of 10.72 seconds from last year. With heatwave conditions across much of Europe, temperatures in Paris were still over 30 degrees Celsius during the meet and the athletes largely seemed to relish the conditions. We'll touch down in Canada where Max Verstappen held off Carlos Sainz in a thrilling battle to claim the first Canadian Grand Prix victory of his career in an action-packed race in Montreal. A late safety car which followed two earlier virtual interruptions at the Circuit de Gil Villeneuve um, set up a gripping finale but Verstappen superbly defended the Ferrari of Sainz despite having older tyres on his Red Bull. We're going to get into that but only on tomorrow's show and it's proudly brought to you by Zimoko. Instagram. Follow us on Instagram. Keep us in your timeline so you don't want to miss it. Take a picture of me. See it, share it. Fan zone. Get in touch with the team and have your say your way. Operator. Have your say your way on 0731-168-045 at ZFM Sport, Twitter and Facebook. And uh, lots of messages uh, that are coming in. And uh, this one says, good evening, guys. As a Chelsea fan, I'm not very happy with Chelsea's interest in Raheem Sterling. I doubt his capabilities. Is there any much difference between him and the likes of Pulisic? Lackers from Whitecliffe. I think there's a massive difference. <laughs> I've got to say that Raheem Sterling is one of the most underrated players yes. in the English Premiership, if not in European football, Absolutely. but the man continually delivers. Yes, consistently so. And the season in, season out, he is banging and contributing to goals. So I don't understand the than doubting his abilities. Like, what? And has, and has been, and has been doing it for ability. a very long time, guys. Remember, at Liverpool, he was part of the SAS, uh, uh, Sturridge, uh, Sterling and Suarez. Uh, and and still left Liverpool, went to City, delivered for City. And now, if the deal goes through, I suspect that he'll do the same for Chelsea. He's a very underrated player. A very underrated. And of course, I agree with Chris. He has been banging and banging. He is reported to have four or five children. <laughs> yes, um, no, stop. Captain John yeah, Cumber. Can we say African players are underpaid or can we blame scouts for them to be uh, paid lesser than other top players? Sadio, I think Liverpool were underpaying him. Uh, 
no. Look, I think I think um, contextually, you've got to look at uh, a club's philosophy. So look at look at the wage uh, uh, bill of a club, and then see what they're paying and if you look at uh, Liverpool they don't pay over the top the players they, 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 I don't think there's any player over 250 I think the highest paid uh, 220 220 yeah. Uh, and, and that's I think that that's Virgil van Dijk uh, everyone, everybody else is, is below that so it's the club philosophy it's like Arsenal under Wenger they never played or paid over the top Man United, you want to earn lots of money? Go to Dubai, play for Manchester United, you'll be sorted. We'll find a Saudi-backed club. Simple. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they tend to, to, to definitely play. Uh, I'm actually just trying to do a, a, a bit of a player comparison here for Sterling and Pulisic. Uh, so you know, Sean, Sean. Because I, I thought to myself, my goodness, to compare these two players, guys. Oh my God, is, he's still there. Is, <laughs> Is criminal because uh, Pulisic. I love Pulisic, but um, okay. So the difference is this: uh, last season, for example, uh, Pulisic six goals, two assists. Uh, Raheem Sterling thirteen goals and five assists. Okay, and that was one of Raheem Sterling's poorer, poorer seasons. seasons yeah. I think if you go How many back, on, on um, one at twenty-five, the other one at thirty. Uh, Raheem Sterling 30. thirty. If you yeah. go to the previous season, okay, let's use the previous season uh, again. Uh, and then yeah, they played similar amount of games. Uh, Raheem Sterling ten goals and seven assists. Uh, Pulisic four goals, two assists. You you can't compare. The two whatsoever alloys. Now it's, uh, it's it's you know some people when you talk about this is a ganyav. But sometimes you don't have the real facts on you, or you you are not being uh, subjective about whatever. About whatever, yeah, it, it just exaggerating. When you look at Raheem Sterling, mm. like you said, he has been one of the best players in the EPL in yes. the past few seasons. Let's be let's be honest here. Even his numbers, even for the people that are were watching, he contributed a lot to Manchester Manchester City success in the past few few seasons. I think also he's a victim of the British media yes, and just yes, European media yes. he's the kind of player that they focus on when he's doing something bad so yeah. when he's in the club and there's a girl who's not his wife on him in the club they're going to report that but when he's getting incredible stats that's not the story we're going to get for do you know who he reminds me of he reminds me of uh, Luis Suarez yes. Luis Suarez does not get the respect he deserves because of all the bad press Yeah. but if I take a look back at over the last decade you know people are talking about a Benzema uh, playing now, no, no. They, guys, he, they, uh, Luis Suarez, Luis Suarez guys, put up some stunning. scary numbers in a in a in a world where he was competing against Ronaldo and Messi. He actually won the Golden Boot when Messi and Ronaldo were at their peak. At their peak, yeah. this so guy that, that was phenomenally crazy. But because you know what, we all remember him for what he did against Ghana. We remember him for biting Chiellini, for biting Ivanovic, yeah. <laughs> and so forth. So, uh, Luis Suarez never really got the respect that he deserves. But if yeah. I had to pick my best number nine uh, from the last. It'll be a very difficult pick between him, Benzema, uh, and Lewandowski. Those, those, yeah, yeah. those as number nines, those three. I think Sterling, for, uh, I mean, uh, Suarez for me in terms of skill. Yes. The things that he could do uh, at his peak. And versatility, and versatility, because uh, uh, early on, listen, now we're seeing him at, the, at, at, at Atletico, and he's he's a bit long in the tooth. But early on, Suarez could operate wide. He could yeah, also operate in the centre, and still 
score goals. Anzi Mane had 120 goals from 240 games. He deserves a good salary. I think uh, going to Bayern is a good move. The other thing that we also must consider is uh, Mane allowed his con- contract to deliberately run down run because down. Uh, I believe that his agent knew that he was never going to get uh, a salary beyond a certain point with Liverpool. Yeah. Put himself in a position where he could go to another club and get the 300,000 plus pounds. Yeah. Because Liverpool is never going to pay 300,000 yeah. plus. plus. Yeah. Never. Clubs are never going to happen. And look, look at what Darwin Nunez is coming in and he's the... 140. Of, he's got 100, 140,000 pounds a week. That shows you that Liverpool doesn't pay over the top. So he's he's a guy who's coming in and getting like 20 grand. I think he's going to give... He's going to get 20 grand more than what uh, Sadio Mane was getting. But it's obvious because he's a new player at the club. But the club doesn't pay over the top. And the Sterling isn't underrated. Run through his goal conversion rate versus the amount of chances he's had. At Liverpool, he barely ever got over 10 goals over those te- those seasons playing next to a Suarez who was out of this world. That's because Suarez was scoring the goals for himself. <laughs> yeah, and then, then he was still a young boy. He, he, was, he was 19. He was, yeah, still, yeah, yeah. He was still starting. Yeah. And so, Sterling is always tops for chances missed each season. That's fine, but he also scores goals. Look for, and he's getting and, into, and he gets into the positions. That's, that's a that's plus for the coach. Important. Look, look at, uh, at England, for example. I believe that um, England are a better side when Raheem Sterling is in the starting for lineup. Sure. Yes. For sure. Yes. Absolutely. If you look at the stats, yes. Your, your hit mu- music station. My station. Your station. It's everybody's station. Z FM Stereo. The big leagues. The big teams. The big players. The beautiful game on ZFM Sport. All right, let's get into the footy. And, of course, that Raheem Sterling story is up first. Chelsea are confident they can sign uh, City forward Sterling as long as a fee can be agreed with the Premier League champions for the player. Thomas Tuchel is a big admirer of Sterling, with the Blues boss believing the forward is better suited to Chelsea's style of play than Romelu Lukaku, who is set to go out on loan back to former club Internationale. Let's hear from football journalist Mark McAdam. Well, Raheem wants to play football. He wants to be a part of things and he's clearly been a huge part of what Manchester City have done over the last few few years. You know, four Premier League titles, four League Cups, an FA Cup and a Champions League runner-up medal as well. He has been there and been a huge part of their success story, as well as 77 England caps. And, and whilst Raheem Sterling hasn't been a, a major fixture in the starting 11 for Manchester City over the course of the last season it's that guaranteed regular first team football that's going to be key for Gareth Southgate and Raheem Sterling. Chelsea are big players in the Premier League, they have won numerous trophies over the last few years uh, and that's what Raheem Sterling wants to do in his career, he wants to compete at the highest level uh, and would see this as a huge opportunity not only to come home but also be a part of a successful team under new owners that want to carry on winning things. But what we do know is that Thomas Tuchel is really keen on Raheem Sterling. Well, Raheem Sterling is 27 years old, Chris. He's played 339 times for his current top flight club, City. He scored 131 goals. And, uh, of course, uh, that's from that uh, wide attacking position. Uh, And he's won quite a few things uh, with uh, City, including four Premier League titles. Thomas Tuchel wants him, and there are those that doubt him. 
a number, a strange number <laughs> down to. It's actually really surprising just the number of people who doubt his capability, those stats he just ran through. And also just taking a look at the the his age for me is a very critical factor. Yeah. He's still in his prime. It means you're gonna get if you get in a good contract with him now, you're gonna get a good four, five his years, best years out of him. So for me, critical time for him. Important decision. Um I'm not sure about his fit into the Chelsea system but I think just as taking a look at just the player alone absolutely brilliant player and I think um, Chelsea are looking at a price close to 35 million pounds I think a little bit higher than that would be more accurate for a player even, like even Ryan's with just uh, one year left on his contract Barry he's English uh, so I think that <laughs> yeah. 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 seriously English players yeah. are expensive I want to do that so you're going to drop you're going to drop about 70 to 80 uh, easy um, I understand that uh, the valuation is about 60 million uh, pounds uh, so I think that they're going to have to nudge that number up if they want to get the deal done but him as a fitter Chelsea, I'm not convinced because uh, mm. City plays differently to, to to Chelsea, and Raheem Sterling plays very well in the half space, um, less so as a wide wide attacker. Um, uh, Chelsea likes to play with wide attackers, which uh, it'll be interesting to see how that dynamic uh, figures out. Yeah, I think I think uh, uh, the advantage for Chelsea in terms of price money, Chelsea Man City doesn't sell expensive usually. Mm. Mm. When they don't want a player, they will make sure that they let, let they let him they let him go. So it's different if he was actually going to Man City. I think they'll get him a bit a bit cheaper. And when you look at the situation at Man City now, I don't think they really need him. Uh, to be honest, when they got Haaland, it was actually a signal for me because you see, Haaland. Uh, thrives on crosses. You need to deliver the balls into that box, which is what Marez can do. Marez can lock the ball and bend it in with the with the, with the left. Raheem Sterling cannot do that. Raheem Sterling wants to cut inside and take a shot. They were they were going to be a very big problem with the with Haaland coming into that because Haaland wants to be fed and he latches onto crosses, drawbacks and everything. And Raheem doesn't do that a lot. Right. Uh, it seems that there is a general consensus that uh, Sterling is wasteful. Uh, John Cuddy. How are you doing, Joe? He says that Sterling oh, is wasteful. He needs 10 chances to score a goal. And, uh, well, it is a point. He can be it a bit a uh, thing, he, but he, he but gets in good positions. So we can say the same for a number of players, including Mohamed Salah. We, we can. And, and, and it's about getting, getting into in the positions. It's, it's, a, coach will always, the a coach worth his salt will always pick a player who gets into yeah. goal-scoring positions ahead of a player who <laughs> seems more efficient. You, 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 you remind me of Grabowski. Yeah. You, you would ask you a question. What do you prefer? A striker that scores, that creates 10 chances and misses 10 chances? Yeah. Or a striker that doesn't create anything and comes out and says, I didn't miss anything? I didn't miss anything. <laughs> Bex and Kadoma has got a comment on Suarez. He says that, Anzi, when Suarez was at Liverpool, some of the things he did were very short of witchcraft. The guy is very very talented uh, and uh, we'll carry on reading messages here Anzi I'm a Chelsea fan or your Anzi Anokompe Pulisic na Sterling Ana Borarano check his stats last season Pulisic Werner Havertz Lukaku Ziyech no one comes close he would be a plus Weli Aripa DZ
Right, let's go to Manchester where United remain hopeful over the signing of Frankie de Jong with talks set to continue with Barcelona this week as the two clubs look to agree a fee. De Jong is new United manager Eric Ten Hag's number one transfer target ahead of his maiden season at Old Trafford and United have been working on the deal for de Jong in the weeks since his appointment. Alois, uh, this is a deal that many people uh, see as making sense. The Mm -hmm. two have worked together at Ajax. Can it be done? I hope it gets done. You know, because I also have uh, 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 high hopes of the deal being done because of being uh, Ten Hag and 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 Young they've worked together. I feel that he knows how to use the player, and you know that's just that Dutch uh, that Dutch life in Manchester mm. United. I think it's actually it's actually needed to breathe a different life uh, into my into Manchester United, and I think that Young can actually you know he actually plays in a position where Manchester United has been struggling anyway. They badly needed a player who plays in that position. So I think he's going to, he's, he's needed and I hope that the deal gets done and I, I can see that Manchester United are pushing for that deal. Uh, uh, Chris, does it concern you that uh, De Jong hasn't exactly left at the opportunity <laughs> to join um, United? He says he's happy to, to stay at Barca. Um, I, and and I, I can understand why he would be. I think when you're taking a look at Barcelona, that real rebuild project is real. And he's at the perfect age to be part of that system and to be able to do great things. Manchester United is not exactly an exciting option for a player who knows his worth and understands what he wants to be able to achieve. Manchester United has not quite come out to be clear on what they're doing. Barcelona has done that very well. So for me, just from a project perspective, when you're comparing Manchester United and Barcelona, I think Barcelona is an easy place. When you mention that word project, I think that's the, that's the key, Mike. Yeah. Um, that's the key. That, that It's a footballing project. When yeah. you look at the footballing project of Barcelona, you can see the way it's headed. You can see what uh, the, the brains trust, what the club is trying to do. I think Manchester United are at least three, maybe four windows away from where Barcelona is presently because I think United has got quite quite a bit of chaff that they need to shed off okay, a lot okay, of I'm, I'm, Let me ask you this. Would it help <laughs> if there had been a few signings made before the approach on De Jong oh, yeah. to perhaps convince it because no one knows what the Ten Hag project is like. Yes, no, the, exactly. the, the, the references we are making are with Ajax. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and we keep saying, you know what, Ajax, Ajax, but Ajax has always been Ajax. Yes. Ten Hag did not create the Ajax, Ajax system. Produces. Uh, Ajax produces. Ajax He went in and he fitted into the Ajax system. Mm. Remember, he was a Hansi Flick's uh, assistant, assistant coach yeah. uh, at Bayern Munich. So if there's anything that he's got, he's got a bit of Bayern Munich blood in him. Would it have helped if, if, if you know what, because if you make signings, sometimes it signals the sort of direction that the project is going to take. Right now, Frankie de Jong is thinking, you know, do I want to go to, through two seasons <laughs> in, in, yes. in which I am in a build, rebuilding? Because yes. this past season at Barcelona, he was in a rebuilding project. He, was in a rebuilding. he leaves Barcelona, which is now about to complete his rebuilding, and he goes to a Manchester Start that's starting yeah. the and, rebuilding. And, and in a rebuild, you pl- you're plugging holes. That's why Frankie de Jong was, was in the team out of the team and also so you're trying you're trying to create uh, find the best formula i don't think he wants to do that again Barcelona is in a very different place. You can even hear the noises that they're making. They want Lewandowski. They're signing play, younger players. Gavi has come along. Pedri's come along. You so easily you can say, look, I'm at a I'm at a European 
club in other words Champions League I'm at a Champions League club and I'm going to go and try and rebuild something with uh, my old manager no I'll just talk to him on WhatsApp you see the defining point I actually think is uh, about where Manchester United is headed because right now they're headed nowhere and there's no team at all right now you we're just hearing speculation that so and so is going to leave so and so is going to leave but who are the marquee signing who are the major signings that are coming to the team there's nothing yet even the, us the fans we we worried Imagine if we are worried as fans, what about the player who is supposed to come and join that team? Going to join and play where? What are we going to do? And then the team is not even in the Champions League as well. Mm. So it's a, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a big it's a big ask to actually ask for a player coming from Barcelona in the Champions League sure. to come with a good project going on, to come and join Manchester United. We are in disarray at the present moment. Apanas Pachinoi says, hi guys, I don't understand Man United scouting uh, Ericsson and De Jong. Uh, they play the same position and no one wants to warm the bench. Uh, uh, I think we discussed this one early in the afternoon, yeah. Barry, and we're talking about because uh, there were there was some talk about uh, Christian Eriksen, mm. uh, and I think they they won't sign. I think Eriksen is the backup if they don't get De Jong. It's either yeah. or. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's either or. I don't think that they they're trying to get both. Um, I think De Jong is is definitely the prize, and should he refuse and want to stay put, then they're gonna uh, dive onto Christian Eriksen. But again, I don't think Christian Eriksen has got the the energy that's required at uh, Manchester United because you. See Still need the legs in that midfield. The league that makes football all so beautiful, where artistry and strokes of genius are the order of any day, where the game is played with a smile, and Luis Suarez adds some bite. Suarez! From the Spanish La Liga on CFM Sport. In Spain, Antonio Rudiger says it was Real Madrid or nothing when he decided to leave Chelsea for a new challenge despite interest from La Liga rivals Barcelona. Rudiger was presented at Real Madrid's training ground this afternoon by President Florentino Perez, signing a four-year contract at the club before posing with his new number 22 shirt and taking questions from the media. The conversation uh, it was like uh, that he said he wants me, he trusts in my abilities and uh, that I can be very helpful uh, for him and uh, to the team. And uh, to be honest, uh, at my age where I'm right now, this is enough. Obviously, the final, like I knew that I was uh, going to be uh, a Real Madrid player. So I was rooting for them. I was very happy that they won. Um, because I lost uh, with my former team two finals uh, against Liverpool, so I was very, very happy that Real Madrid beat them, and uh, so and uh, we can compete next year for another two beautiful trophies. Uh, there you see what this club is about, and um, it's about winning at the end of the day. And uh, like, uh, and I want to be part of this. Rudiger Chris saying that Real Madrid, this club is all about winning and I want to be part of this. And you've got to say that this signing is a win-win for the club and for the player. The club, of course, we know its history uh, and we know where it's at right now at the very top of European football. And then Rudiger as well, one of the best defenders in the world. Yeah, I think this is a, a match just even when you're taking a look at a culture and a personality perspective. I think this is a player who's almost coming home, coming to that club that will likely always remember him for. Right. Uh, Alois, 
you of course uh, you always have your your sympathies with Real Madrid and you've got to say that I think <laughs> ever since Sergio them. yeah <laughs> ever since Sergio Ramos left I think there hasn't been uh, you know what a leader uh, at the back for Real Madrid in Rudiger they now have someone who's able I think in terms of personality wise play wise as well as leadership wise able to fill that void that was left by the great Sergio Ramos yeah uh, Mike if you remember very well that uh, I never I never I never uh, predicted that the, uh, Real Madrid were going to win even the Champions League mm. even the league because I was bemoaning the defense I was always looking at the defense who is there when Ra- Varane left it was uh, Ramos left there was nobody. You look at uh, Alaba, Marcelo. Alaba, Marcelo was yeah. all all out. Alaba was uh, like a makeshift. Yeah. He was not a, a, like a, a natural defender, centre back. So for me, that that defence was not solid at all. Now with the coming of Rudiger, I think he is going to give them a bit of balance, a bit of steel, and that Chirud boy, you know, I think uh, Madrid, they were used to it. They loved it. They used to celebrate if Ramos did yeah, something crazy. Yeah, yeah. You know, so they've got one like that now. Chigane. And who is even more crazier. Yes, you know? <laughs> yes. he's wild. So, wow. so it's, it's, it's going to be good. It's going to be a good one. And let's yeah. wrap it up. Uh, Barry, your thoughts on this one. Uh, according to reports uh, out of Germany, Dortmund, have made a 28 million pound bid for former West Ham striker Sebastian Holle. He's yeah. a guy that, of course, has listen. He's developed in leaps and bounds. He, because he the guy is. that we saw in England, uh, no one would have touched him with the barge ball. Yeah, yeah. He went to Ajax and he completely transformed himself, not just in the Dutch league, yeah. but to become one of the best players in the Champions League last season. Uh, for sure. He finished as the third top scorer in the Champions League and only third top scorer because Ajax was knocked out of the competition mm. because uh, for many uh, for long periods in that competition, he was the leading scorer. So Sebastian Alley is a, a, a perfect fit um, uh, for Is he a good Richard replacement Dortmund. for Holland? I think that he will... Be, <laughs> Good rep- uh, Hall- Hall- okay, there's there's only one Hall- Hall- I'm saying you in know, terms of plugging, you know the yeah, hole. yeah, no, he, he, he's a, he's a decent replacement mm. and can deliver some goals. He's not going to hit the heady heights of of, of you're always going to miss Haaland. Uh, but uh, Sebastian Ali is a, is a decent replacement if ever there was one for Borussia Dortmund. So I think they're doing some good business there. If for us to do some good business, we have to go. We're back tomorrow. Don't miss the show. The news is next. May God richly bless you. That's my story. And I'm sticking to it. Manande, out. And it's Messi. It is the cleanest of clean finishes from the best on the planet. The biggest sports stories. Chelsea, the UEFA Champions League winners of 2021. The biggest interviews. That uh, such a great spectacle is ruined by such such thuggish behaviour. And all the analysis right here. He's the one player that has the arrogance to think that he can play in any stadium in the world and any pitch in the world in front of any player in the world and take them on. Every weekday, it's my sport, it's your sport. It's ZFM Sport on ZFM Stereo. My station, your station. Bring we're turning up the beats. I just need your hit music station. Let's go! I'm no good at Home for hit music. It's Z. Hi, 
Hi, this is Mike Mandel, and you can catch me and the team for all the latest breaking news out of the world of sport, local as well as international, on your favorite station, my station, your station, ZFM. We are Z Team on ZFM Sport. Z.